Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Again, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 189, and tonight I am exercising my rights as a queen, calling in that first Scream Queen rule, a queen has a right to change his mind, and I am altering the planned content. Yes, I'm supposed to be talking about the two movies that we screened at the science fiction double feature last weekend, Queen of Blood and Planet of the Vampires. That is still on the agenda, but my schedule has gone a bit bonkers. So, what I'm doing instead, I am giving you all a sneak peek taste of the final reel. Yes, you are getting a look inside the exclusive Patreon feed, and we are going to be talking about Rings and also The Cure for Wellness, both released this year. And I talked it over with my Patreon subscribers. I put up a poll. I said, you know, now that these movies are coming out on DVD, would you mind if I occasionally shared some of this information with the general public Scream Queens listeners, or should we just hog it all to ourselves? And they said, no, it would be very fair to share it with you. You saved us from possibly wasting money on shitty new releases in the theater and made us see good ones instead. And now that they're out on DVD, you should save the rest of them. I said, you're right. Thank you. You guys always know the best things to do. So that's where we are today. So what's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters? Of course, let's get Smoochie Watch out of the way. Bum, bum, Smoochie Watch. What's going on with that cat? Well, nothing. It's been very, very quiet, and that's a good thing. She has been great. For those of you who don't know, Smoochie isn't my cat. She's had a multitude of health problems, including feline hyperesthesia, which is a seizure-like problem, and this horrible tendency to rip her tail apart when she's left unattended or unbandaged. Well, now those of you who were there for the double feature know that Smoochie's bandage inadvertently came off in the middle of the screening, sending Daddy into a panic, and the vet tech wasn't going to be able to come until the next day, so it was. I was very upset and worried, but for the first time, Smoochie went almost 36 hours without a bandage, without hurting herself, so yay! Hooray for Smoochie, and she's losing Wait, since she started on Prozac, she's down to 28 pounds, down from 31. Daddy's very proud. I am gushing with pussy pride. I'm so proud of my pussy. I want you all to see it and pet it. That was a gross thing to say. What else has been going on? Well, the concert that I did at Below 54 was on Wednesday night, and it was a huge success. It was almost a sold-out crowd. Not quite, but, you know, it's New York in August. The locals leave. Everybody's in Provincetown or Fire Island or something like that. Nobody's here. So that's the fact that we were sold as well as we did was amazing. And, of course, that was the concert version of the musical The Fix that was written by 
fellow Scream Queen and previous guest host, Mr. Dana Piro. He wrote the music for it. He was on the Zombie Prom episode talking about that particular musical that he wrote. And this is a very different thing. It's all very blackly political and savagely funny. And even though it was written 20 years ago, oddly prophetic, since it's about an idiot in the White House. So a lot of the lyrics are just jumping out at me. And it went out really well. The fun thing that happened, or not so fun thing. The thing is, they contacted me just before rehearsals were supposed to start. And they said, Patrick, we initially had asked you to do the ensemble as well as this one song, the, the role of Bobby, parentheses, Cracker Barrel. But we're just going to ask you to do Bobby instead. It's it's it, Since Bobby is a scare, scary ghost. I think it's best that it's weird to have you in with the ensemble. It might be confusing given the contracted and, you know, not staged way the show is going to be produced. Because we're taking a two and a half hour show, condensing it to 90 minutes to focus on the music, but we're also trying to tell as much of the story as we can. But things can get confusing because, no, it's just, we're just standing there with, with our, with our music and, and, you know, Mike stands. You get the picture. You get the picture. However, so I had to sit at a table off of stage left for a good hour and 15 minutes before I had anything to do. Because in this, not only am I scared, scared ghost, I'm creepy old exposition guy. I show up, I draw a plot, and I leave. Uh, I have all the information that's going to make this political empire crumble to the ground. Come up singing in a fun, happy song, and then jitterbug off the stage and well just before i went on i'm sitting at the table looking at the stage and i realize on the other side of the stage is another table with patrons at it and there the table's kind of off by itself it's behind everybody significantly and it was up on a riser so it was very isolated and apparently these people that were sitting there thought it was isolated enough that they could pretty much neck the entire show so it was just necking and heavy petting the entire show and just as i was walking up to the stage they're playing my intro music the guy reached around her and pulled her titties out so all of a sudden there are nipples staring at me this is the supper club. Yes, it used to be the basement of Studio 54. God knows what was going on in there at the time. And I can only imagine that either of these people were very, very turned on with songs about political intrigue or they were possessed by scare, scare ghosts themselves, the ghosts of former Studio 54 patrons. That's the only possible explanation. But I'm about to do this incredibly wordy patter song, which I had decided to memorize because it wasn't incredibly wordy patter song and i only had one thing to do so you might as well memorize it which it did however by the time i got to that microphone i didn't know where the fuck i was because all i had was titties in my eyes like titties in my eyes titties in my eyes titties in my eyes for patrick it was not okay it was not okay i started the song i got one line in and i was just like i don't know what i'm singing about i don't know what's happening i'm just standing like, like a dirt the dirt and the pen is just like vamping, 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 vamping. And I just said, you know what? That first sentence was so good. 
I'm going to start over. And I did. And I was very embarrassed and it ate at me the whole night. But apparently it was fine. It was fine. But you know what? If you're going to a supper club and you're watching a show and, and, and you think that maybe nobody can see you because you're kind of behind everybody else and nobody's looking at you because everybody's looking at the stage, know that there's probably somebody in the cast who can see everything that you're doing and maybe it's going to screw up his show. And But that's okay. It was fun. And I want to thank... Georgian, my prom date, and also previous Scream Queens host from the Dead episode for coming, and Mr. Brad was there, and my niece Caitlin and her husband was there, and it was very cool. It was very cool. I was very happy with the whole thing, and what was great, it was a late show. It was at 9.30, and so we go out for drinks afterwards, and I was on my third Manhattan before I realized I didn't have dinner, so Daddy was sloppy. Sloppy. It was not cute, but you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. That's what I gotta say. What else has been going on? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot been getting ready for FlameCon, so I tried – I wanted to have something to hand out to people, so I did a quick mock-up of the of a new postcard. And even though I don't like it, I, at least it's something to hand out, and I'm happy with that. But the thing that happened at about the same time was – anyway, I got a message from listener – Carly right about this time and she said, Patrick, I'm obviously becoming quite the Scream Queen stalker eating up everything on Patreon and working backwards through your episodes. Anyhow, I just listened to the episode where you talked about your sister who passed who is a Beatles fan and you mentioned the song Here Comes the Sun. Well, strangely, I just finished yesterday a pen and ink sketch I titled Here Comes the Sun and I'd love to send it to you. It's meant to be yours if you don't mind uh, if you don't feel uncomfortable sending some rando stranger your address which I did. I did send it to her and she sent it to me and it's gorgeous and I'm very happy and that was her business card and she also does graphic design. So this seemed like kismet. We seem to be on the same page at the same time. So I am now setting money aside from the Patreon subscriber feed to get a new logo from her and hopefully this will lead to some fantastic merchandise i have ideas for merchandise fun fun things that i'm not gonna leak someone's gonna steal them that i think you guys will eat up but i don't know how to do any of this stuff i try to do photoshop stuff and it just winds up with me crying and pulling out my beard hair and it's just it's not good it's not good it's not good it's not good so carly that was a really cool thing to do a cool spontaneous thing to do and it made my day and oddly enough it's my sister's birthday today as I'm recording this my sister Teresa who was the one who passed is the one that uh, you sent the, the, well anyway it's again it's more kismet and you know what Carly I haven't given this out in a while for doing something completely out of the goodness of your heart with generosity sending me something that you made yourself and that's giving me a lot of joy on a day which is a rough one for me you are the scream queen of the week thank you very much thank you for your support emotionally and and with the show and with the patreon feed and everything like that you're awesome so i got to go to the theater twice during all this just before it closed i got to see this play called indecent and I believe it's going on tour, and I have never seen a more exquisitely powerful 
piece of theater and it's so fucking important and it doesn't sound like it would be that I if it's coming to your area just drop what you're doing and go it's the story of a play the creation of a play true story that uh, was called uh, well it's still called the god of vengeance and it was uh, written in Europe I think in Poland and it's, it was in Hebrew and it was about the goings on at a Jewish brothel a brothel that was run by a family of Jews and set amongst this depraved, ugly, violent, criminal story was a love story as well between the brothel owner's daughter and one of the prostitutes. I'm sorry, one of the sex workers. And so it, in the midst of all this, you had this beautiful lesbian romance it's blooming. It's exquisite. And the thing is that makes this story extraordinary is that that play was performed forever. It was performed all over Europe. In Yiddish, of course. And everyone thought people were going to be shocked. The people who wrote it said nobody's going to let, but people ate it up. They ate it up and they even embraced the lesbian part of it. They said in this whole horrible world that you've created, there's this beautiful beam of light that gave us all hope and it was so inspiring and moving and this play performed everywhere in Europe it came to New York it played in Greenwich Village in Yiddish for many 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 years and finally it was going to Broadway it was being translated into English and being performed on Broadway except on opening night they were shut down mid-performance for indecency and also for showcasing quote eastern european exoticism and at this time it's during world war ii world war ii has broken out most of these people were jewish immigrants from various nations and they were mostly deported everyone involved in that stage they were arrested and deported and eventually they all died in the concentration camps. They got back to Germany and the Nazis were waiting for them. And it is an incredibly powerful moving piece. It's still haunting me. And it's a piece of LGBTQ history of which I was not aware previous. It was, in fact, the first lesbian kiss to ever happen on a Broadway stage. And that is news enough, but the fact that performing a play was everybody's death warrant that the United States sent people to their deaths because two girls were kissing. The rest of the world saw this love story for what it was, but we did not. And that's dark, dark thing to deal with. Anyway, enough of that. If it's coming to your area, please go see it. Even if you don't think you like theater, it's not presented in a usual theatrical way. And yeah, I have never been more overwhelmed by a piece in the best possible way. I cannot recommend it enough, so I'm going to stop now. Okay. The other thing I got to see was a revival of a show called Marvin's Room, which was made into a movie a while ago with Meryl Streep. And the weird thing is they're billing this as a comedy and, you know, it's wacky comedy about dying of cancer. Ha 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 Not a comedy, but I got free tickets to it. Janine Garofalo's in it. Hey, that's cool. Lily Allen's in it. Hey, that's really cool. How bad could it be? Wasn't good. 
It wasn't the piece's fault. It doesn't belong on Broadway. It's too big a house. It's a very intimate show. But anyway, there was something just off about the whole thing. But that's not really why I wanted to talk about it. It's the guy who – actually, what I do want to say, Lily Allen, you know, who you know. Like she was the indie girl of the 90s. Everybody loves Lily Allen. You know, recently she's been in um, Hemlock Grove and a bunch of other stuff. And she's great. And she was radiant in this. She is brilliant on stage. I was so excited to see how good she was because sometimes when the Hollywood people come in, they're not so great, Janine Garofalo. But there you go. It was fantastic. But the guy who wrote it was uh, was a gay man, in 33-year-old gay man, and during the production of this, he was diagnosed with AIDS and I think 1992 as was his boyfriend and he wrote this companion note to it just like i'm 33 years old i have aids my friends have aids we take care of each other the less sick take care of the most sick and that is what's being echoed in the show so the play is also this weird kind of analogy for aids even though it's not about aids even just because of the history for it. anyway you have no need to see it and you don't care anymore and now i've brought everything down by talking about two really depressing plays so let me just talk about some of the stuff i've been watching on netflix i have not been watching a lot of movies on netflix because there's not a lot of movies on netflix all of a sudden it's all shows but i did want to touch on the keepers i know that's kind of last year's news practically at this point but i ate that up with a spoon, of course. That's the the documentary about um, private citizens doing investigations, trying to get to the bottom of the murder of a nun who worked at a Catholic high school in the late 1960s. It is one of the most brutal miniseries that you'll sit there. It is emotionally heart wrenching, and it brought back a lot of high school for me because I went to Catholic school and I know what shit went on. I saw it with my own eyes. My brother, when he was there in the 70s, went to the same school, came home with stories of what went on, how the faculty preyed on the students, and nobody did anything then. Nobody does anything now. The principal was recently arrested for having an affair with a student. And, of course, they just sent him off to the sister campus in Hawaii. So what What are you going to do? And you will tear your hair out at the keepers, but I thought it was fantastic. And also, there is a moment that actually scared me so bad I had to turn it off. And that is the woman in the attic. And that's all you need to know if you haven't seen it. When the woman in the attic was first mentioned, I got weird chills down the back of my neck and then when she showed up i had to shut off the tv for a little bit i'm still being depressing what the hell what is this about okay the other thing i watched was ozark again ate it up with a spoon because i will watch laura lenny eat a bowl of cereal for eight hours i don't care i think she's fantastic and nothing makes me happier than a raging laura lenny and you get tons of super pissed off laura lenny because she is a brilliant actress but when she is angry she is fucking radiant and I will eat her up like that bowl of cereal. I want to watch her, and she'll be eating the cereal, and I'll be eating her, and that just came out weird. Okay, that was unintended, but but hey, something happened in the show, and I'm not spoiling anything. You know how I'm always complaining in horror movies? Like, why do we always have to have footage of somebody peeing? 
Why does that happen? That never happens in other things. You never see Meryl Streep doing it. You never see Judy Dench doing it. You never see anybody like that doing it in whatever movie that they're doing. But Laura Lenny P is on camera on this. And I said, right on, bitch. If anyone was going to break this rule, it should be you. I love you, Laura Lenny. And I love you guys. And I've talked enough. I love you enough to stop talking and start the show so please enjoy your peek inside the patreon feed lovingly called the final reel and if you like what you hear information on how you to the information on how you can join will be coming at the end of the show after the voicemails oh yeah <laughs> I keep thinking about this story. There's this video that kills you seven days after you watch it. The second it's over, the phone rings. And this boy says... when she's coming for me. You want to know about the girl in the well? What does she want from me? This mark on your hand. It says rebirth. baby it's a really bad movie let's talk about all the stupid action that you should not pay to see let's talk about rings baby i have to warn you a very dire warning do not bother with the movie rings ew it's terrible now let me explain something to you right now i am in a terrible mood. I just spent two hours working on the Patreon page, setting up all these 
uh, you know, the special bonuses you're going to get and the reward tiers and all the text describing the show and what I'm doing and what I'm planning on doing and my goals and stuff. I worked on it for two hours. JavaScript locked up. The page crashed and I lost all my work. So I'm in a bad mood. And I also just ate a peanut butter sandwich and drank a glass of milk. So welcome to my disgusting voice to match my disgusting mood. Now, I was fortunate enough to get to see a free screening the night before it came out, courtesy of the folks at the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup Group, although Rich was not there with his big bald head for me to tease and tantalize with my sexiness and stuff. But, hey, a free movie's a free movie, right? And I said, well, maybe it'll be okay, although I really don't know where else... You can go with the story. We know who Samara is. We know what she does. And her powers are kind of limited. Well, just you wait, because my goodness, we're offered nothing new. And lots of it. Oh my gosh. This movie is horribly written. It's dumb. It's boring. It forgets what it is, it forgets what it's doing, and it takes a really long time doing it. An hour and 40 minutes of this garbage. Okay, okay. The big problem is that for a huge portion of the movie, we forget about Samara completely. She just drops right out. Let me back up. I knew we were in trouble within 30 seconds because there's this opening scene on the plane. It's the plane. It's about to land. And out of nowhere, the guy, some dude, just turns to the girl next to him, who's not traveling with him, and is like, hey, have you ever heard about that videotape that kills you in seven days? Well, somebody showed it to me seven days ago, and, well, my time's up in about five minutes, so I really hope I don't die. Of course, I said that really quickly, but he stretched out all of the backstory. He was creepy young exposition guy in a conversation that nobody would ever have. So thanks, Dick. You killed everybody on the plane because instead of, you know, Samara just killing him, she takes out the whole damn plane. Okay. All right. It, it, it's inefficient, but effective, I suppose, but whatever. Okay. So, all right. It's just the opening scene. And then we're introduced to the most terrifying thing in the movie, which is Johnny Galecki. Ugh. Uh, I don't know what it is with me and Johnny Galecki. We don't get along. And he's really stretching his acting chops here, by playing a science professor. Okay. He buys a, a shitty old VCR at a you know thrift shop or whatever, and it turns out, whoa, it belonged to that guy who was on the plane crash. Whoa, so guess what's in the machine? Oh, yeah, it's the cursed videotape, which he watches, and for some reason, immediately, he starts having visions of, like, rain going in the wrong direction and shit coming out of the walls, unlike what happens in the actual movie. Like, it was day seven on day... 30 seconds for him, but okay, but then we drop out, and we meet our, like, like the little adorable teen couple, and oh gosh, God, they're pretty, but neither one of them are capable of expressing an emotion. Ever. Sure, they say all the words, and they look pretty doing it, but acting chops, these kids do not 
have. Granted, these movies were never about that kind of hyper, ah, you know, that kind of screaming, that kind of ma- mania type of thing. No, no, it was more of a subtle slow burn thing, but you actually have to light the fuse for a slow burn to happen, and these kids were playing with wet matches, and oh my god. I don't care about your high school relationship. I don't care, because he's going off to college. Okay, and he's there for like 10 minutes and somehow has watched the tape and whatever. She gets a weird call from some girl like, Samara's coming! And she's like, well, I'm just going to have to go and see him. And she does that. She just ups and she gets in her car and she leaves. And apparently she doesn't have parents. High school girl doesn't have parents to say, oh, hey, I'm taking the car for like two weeks. Hope See you later. No, and she's just gone. Whatever. Okay, fine. Just move the movie along. And it turns out that Johnny Galecki did not die. No, because he figured it all out somehow, I don't know. And now he's done this great thing of passing it on to his students and made some kind of weird mega-funded project for it that somehow, like, this key, the video is the key to, like, life after death or some such bullshit. Now, if you had the Ring 2 DVD, A, I'm sorry because that movie's terrible. B, on that is a short film called, not surprisingly, Rings. And it is – okay, this is the first scene in the ring with, like, high school kids, the boys trying to get the girl to watch the movie. It's their story leading up to that moment. And basically, if you saw that short movie, you already know the setup because that's exactly what was going on. These kids had turned it into a game. One would watch the movie. They'd see if they could get to seven days, and then someone else would watch the movie. And it was a game to see how many ga- days you can get there because things start getting weird. You start seeing shit. You get scared. Whatever. I get it. That's what's going on, but he's, like, studying them for science. Okay, and it's like a whole floor. It's like a secret floor of the college's whole high-tech, like, crazy Apple store kind of thing. Whatever. Whatever, but that's cool because Samara's still in the movie. And her boyfriend has watched the tape. And so he has to find his tail, they call him, the guy who's going to watch the movie after him, and, and pass it on. But instead, she watches it, but now there's extra footage on the tape that only she could see. Okay, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because now all of a sudden, Samara disappears. We have no talk about Samara at all. Samara, Samara, I hate you, Samara, but I would like you to be in the movie. But she's not. Because we decide to have this whole boring-ass story about Samara's real mother, not the woman who put her down the well. No, 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 because there was a whole thing that we don't know where Samara came from. Oh, my goodness. So now we're tracking down Samara's real mother because that's what's in the visions. And I'm saying, okay, fine. That's nice and everything. But now this movie has turned into a mystery instead of a horror movie. And it's really an obvious mystery because I don't know who wrote this shit, but it is some ass Bull shit. Now, our bargain basement Nancy Drew, one of the things, vision she keeps seeing is this clearly majorly like eight and a half month baby all up inside you pregnant woman. She sees her by the side of the road. She sees her here. She sees her there. Clearly pregnant woman. So now we've got 45 minutes of investigation. What's going on? Who is this woman? Blah, blah, blah. And she finds the cell that the woman was being kept in because she was kidnapped, but you don't really care because nobody cares. I didn't care in the movie. I'm like, why are we following this character? Where is Samara? Not the point. 
Bargain basement answer Drew looks at the wall and the woman had kept, you know, a little hash not hashtags, you know, like hash mark calendar of the days that she was there and the girl looks at it and she's like, Huh, it's seven months, eight months, eight and a half months. <gasps> oh my god. She was pregnant and the music goes dun, dun. And everybody in the audience started laughing because, uh, did you not catch that the woman, did you think she was carrying a watermelon in her vagina? Is that what you think was happening? That she had a watermelon in her uterus and she did not have a baby? Like, from the moment you laid eyes on this girl, you didn't know that that girl was pregnant? And plus, you're tracking down Samara's mother? And maybe Samara's mother was pregnant at some time? What the fuck is going on? Oh, so much eye-rolling, so much teen histrionics. Not even histrionics because they can't act, so it's blah-trionics. It's bland-trionics. Who cares? Vincent D'Onofrio shows up for a while, and he livens things up a bit because he's just so fucking crazy. He does everything well, and big surprise, he's the villain of the piece. But because, you know, we forgot about Samara. Ha-ha! But Samara can't get him because he's blind, and you have to see... the video in order for it to work, what, whatever, and also he can't see Samara because she's not in the fucking movie anymore! Not only is she not in the movie anymore, but in Bergen Basement Nancy Drew, who has watched the video, has no sense of urgency whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we never have any sense of time passing. We don't know how long it's been since she watched the movie. We know she's got seven days, but where she is in that journey, we don't know because you didn't tell us. We're, we're more considering, uh, concerned with following around surprise pregnant pregnant ghosts, whatever. And if she is concerned about possibly dying in seven days, she can't convey that or doesn't convey that. I'm going to go with can't convey that. Well, no, because it's not in the script. It's not her fault, but but it's her fault that she can't act and that she's in a goddamn movie. Goddamn this movie! Ah! I know the word is probably out by now. I know it got like a six on Rotten Tomatoes and opening weekend has come and gone and it did not take the top slot away from a split. So I'm sure the word is out that rings is some bullshit. But if by any chance you were considering, well, maybe I'll go see it. Maybe I just saved you $12 or however much a movie costs in your area. Here it would be like 22 because fuck New York. What the hell? Can you imagine if I had paid $22 for this? Fuck you. God damn it. But that is one of the perks now of being a Patreon. Because since movies are so expensive here, one of the things I'm going to be using the money that you're donating to the show for is to be able to see more mainstream and new releases while they're still in the theater. And I'm going to give that right back to you Because you are the ones who are going to get the new movie review segments, not the others. No, 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 no. If they want them, they can cough up the cash like you did. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. And I hope that you will be greatly rewarded. And if not, what? I can't help you. I can't help you. And this isn't one of those ones that I said, eh, maybe it will be better on TV. No, it is unforgivably boring. And that is one thing in the horror industry that is not 
ever permitted. You can be lots of things. You can be cheap. You can be badly made. You can have bad acting. You can have bad special effects. All of these things on their own are forgivable, but boring? No, sir. No, sir. So I will be more than happy to have Samara crawl back into that well where she came from and we could just, I don't know, bulldoze it over, pour it over with concrete, whatever. And by the way, who the fuck is still watching DVD? All right. Yeah, okay. The only thing they did to modernize this, like we skipped DVD completely. She went straight to VHS to digital video on computers. And you think that that might have opened up an avenue of, oh, what happens if you put this on YouTube? But now millions of people are watching it. That never comes up. Because this movie is terrible. And it has Johnny Galecki in it. And I don't know what's going on with his face lately. And I don't like to, like, pick on people for their appearance. But he's starting to look like puffy and really tired. So I'm just going to say that I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He clearly didn't need the money. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever, Johnny Galecki. I saw your penis. I think maybe that's it. I've never recovered from seeing Johnny Galecki's penis on stage on Broadway in a show he did years ago. I just I, They should have had a warning in the program. They should have had a warning before this movie because I didn't know he was in it. And before it started, it should have said, warning, this movie contains scenes of Johnny Galecki. And I would have been like, okay, I, I, I'm at least braced for it. Because it's one thing to see him on the small screen, but now that his face is 50 feet high and, you know, all like puffy and swollen and like crinkly and weird. Look, I don't know, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. There is a sickness inside us. Rising like the bile that leaves that bitter taste at the back of our throats. It's there in every one of you seated around the table. Only when we know what ails us can we hope to find the cure. What do you make of that? Clearly he's lost his mind. Our thoughts exactly. I'd like you to go to Switzerland and bring Mr. Pembroke back to us. What we offer here is a process of purification away from the pressures of the modern world. Your plan is to take Mr. Pembroke back with you. Is that a problem? He's a patient. Prisoner. You have the cure? No. Actually, I was just leaving. No one ever leaves. Welcome back, Mr. Lockhart. Signs of concussion. Depleted immune system. I would like to recommend a treatment. Think of it as cleansing of the mind as much as the body some patients experience visions but rest assured it's just the toxins leaving the system there's a terrible darkness here that was 200 years ago this is happening now
we're going to be talking about the brand new movie release. Lots of people are buzzing. Oh, this looks great. The trailer looks great. And yes, it does look great. The movie is not great because the movie is two and a half hours long. There is not a single character to root for or like or care about. And that's a long time to spend with people that you just can't connect to. It is convoluted. It is confusing. And yet, at the same time, it being a horror-based mystery thriller kind of scenario, emphasis on the mystery, as an audience member, you're a good 10 to 15 to 45 to 100 hour and 15 minutes ahead of the character, the main character, figuring out this mystery because this movie telegraphs all of its punches. At no point was it was did I say, oh my gosh, that's surprising when it came to the story. Yes, there are some shocking set pieces. Yes, there are some oogie, slimy, gross bits. Yes, but when you look at the whole picture at the end of the two and a half hours, it said, what did I just watch? What did it mean? What lesson was it trying to teach me that you didn't teach me in the first five minutes, literally the first five minutes? And why did you feel the need to be this goddamn long? Oh my God, I didn't know. See, okay, I went in cold, kids. I knew it was a Gore Verbinski movie, and... I wanted to go because I was supposed to go to see a free screening of it on Wednesday night. But I chose to get free tickets to a Broadway show in previews, which I'm going to go off on on the regular show. And so I felt a little gypped and I said, hey, you know what? I got to get out of the house because I've got a crazy cat who's on the first day of her extreme diet who's driving me crazy. So I just need to get out and go anywhere. I'm going to go see a movie. Use some of these Patreon dollars to get you guys an extra review this month. Yeah, everybody's getting it. So right now it is 1.30 in the morning on Friday night. I just got in from seeing the movie. I made the mistake of going to a 10 o'clock screening of it. Jesus God. Why did nobody tell me it was this goddamn long? Nobody told me it was three hours and 45 minutes long. Yes, I know I just changed the running time, but every time I mention the running time, the running time is going to go up. I'm telling you that right now. Okay, so what's going on here? Basically, this guy, uh, this, this, this weaselly business dude who works for this shady, evil financial corporation has to go to Switzerland because he needs to retrieve – the CEO of the company, who has disappeared. No, 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 not like mysteriously disappeared. He went off to some health retreat in the Swiss Alps and never came back. But before he didn't come back, wait, but before he didn't come back is what I just said. But the movie opens with with one of Weasley Business Guy's colleagues receiving a letter from him that's basically saying, you all live a lie. You don't know what life is. You're an offense to humanity. Most of humanity is an offense to itself because we spent all this time stabbing each other in the back and scheming and conniving and striving to get what we perceive as power and prestige. And we think these things are important, but they're not. But I've seen the truth now. And now that I've seen the truth, there's no coming back and I'm not coming back. 
But there's whole there's a whole thing going down with the SEC, so they need him back to sign off on something, or everybody's going to jail. So the company's like, "Hey, Weasley, young business guy, you're gonna have to go off to the Swift Alps and get that guy and bring him back by hook or by crook." And so off we go to Switzerland, yodel hee hoo, and. So far, so good. The thing is, it takes a long time to realize that this movie's not going anywhere. And where it's going, it's getting there real slow, and you already got there. So he gets to this retreat, which is in this castle, right at the foot of the Swiss Alps. And it is storybook gorgeous. And it is filled with old, rich, white people. In fact, the richest people in the world and the most powerful people on the world of the world who have all come there seeking a cure for some one illness or another because this resort is famous because there is an aquifer underneath it a natural aquifer and the waters of this supposedly have healing powers and have for centuries but the thing is these old people who check in they don't leave No, 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 no. I'm not saying they don't survive or they get murdered there. No, 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 no. I'm saying once people are there, they don't want to leave. This place is paradise. It's Shangri-La. It's bliss. And they all have seen the errors of their life beforehand. So far, this sounds good. So far, I'm on board. So this guy arrives. He wants to see his CEO dude. But he's told, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just missed visiting hours for five minutes. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. And he's throwing down all his legal mumbo-jumbo. He's like, I will come back here. I will go to the embassy. I'm coming back with a lawyer. I'm going to sue you. I'm taking this man out of here. You can't stop me. Blah, blah, blah. And he storms off in a huff. But before he does, he has a glass of their famous water. And here the problems begin. Because not surprisingly, there's something very wrong. With the water. If you have a movie that is six hours and 15 minutes long, you might want to take some time letting your audience know that there's something wrong with the water because what's the rush? We're going to be here for a really long time. There's lots of story to tell. But no, from the moment he arrives, every time anybody mentions the water, there's a da-da-da in the soundtrack. And when he slurps down that cool, delicious glass of water, this, the music is like, dun, 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 dun. so, okay, we already got it. You already revealed one of your mysteries, and we're not even 45 minutes in yet, which is, which is basically the first five minutes in a regular movie. But, but I'm thinking, okay, we still have some mystery. There's something wrong with the water, but what's wrong with the water? Now, he's leaving. He's in his little chauffeured car, and they're driving down the long, winding road to the castle gates. But as he's leaving, he's starting to see this woman. He sees, he keeps seeing this this young woman, this young blonde woman in a diaphanous nightgown, naturally, standing on the walls of the castle. And every time he goes around a turn, she's in a completely different part of the castle. She's in front of a turret. She's at this parapet. She's standing on a gargoyle. Not my gargoyle, but you know what I mean. Something, ooh, ooh, the water lets you see ghosts. But there's no ghosts. It's not that kind of movie. So how this girl was jaunting around the castle never gets addressed again. I think with such a long running time of 12 hours and, and, and 22 minutes that they just thought you'd forget about that part. But I don't forget about anything because I'm super smart. 
But before he gets to the gates, wham, bang, boom, a deer leaps in front of the car, completely smashing it, breaking his leg, and sending him back to the retreat for medical services. Because, you know, once you're there, you don't leave. And I'm thinking, oh, man, that's cool. The forest animals are in on it, too. Yeah, no, they're not either. It just was a deus ex dirina. And here we get the first really bad set of CGI's. There's a lot of CGI here, and it's hit and miss. But man, man, you see this poor deer die so slowly after the accident. It's trying to get up, and it keeps falling down. And I'm thinking, oh, but it's been drinking the water. It's just going to get up. It's getting no, Okay. But it's a very, very long, very painful sequence, which was heartbreaking and hard to watch. And it would have been incredibly powerful did it not look like a fucking cartoon. So he's back at the hospital. He's trying to find his boss. Blardy, 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 blar. All the old people are happy and skippy. And isn't it wonderful here? And blah, blah, blah. All of this feels like Shutter Island to me. And this is not helped by the fact that the guy who's playing our Weasley business dude, whose name I don't know because I don't care, looks like a young Leonardo DiCaprio, like a younger, uglier, bargain basement, non-Oscar winning Leonardo DiCaprio. And man, he's got bags under his eyes. He's got bags under his eyes. I'm just going, man, was there no cover-up in the makeup department? Somebody get some cucumbers or tea bags or something for this guy's eyes. What the hell? You're in a movie. Now, to be fair, the movie, it took me a long time to realize that this was going nowhere because it is a Gore Verbinski movie. Of course, he directed the Ring remake. He did all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He knows what to do with the camera, and there are some brilliant shots in this. There are some – I mean the opening shot of a train going into a tunnel does not sound exciting, but if, when you see what he does, you're like, oh my god, this is the best shot ever. There's a whole scene that's shot in the reflection of a – of the glass eye in a mounted deer head on the wall. Very powerful. Shots of this mysterious girl walking by the sides of a pool. Reflected in the pool. Mysterious music. Sweeping landscapes. This gorgeous castle. Makes you think you might be watching a better movie than you are. But ultimately this movie is cribbing left and right. It cribs from Shutter Island. Like I said. It cribs from um, Marathon Man. Shamelessly. It. It's taking from Hammer Horror Movies, and I can't even count all the stuff it's taking from. And even, even fucking Voldemort shows up in the last reel. Which, if you ever see the movie, you'll understand what I'm talking about, because I can't even go into all the crap that's going on here, because it's ridiculous. It was nice to see, however, that his CEO, when he finally finds him in the steam room, which is another great scene, is played by Harry Groner. Now, Harry Groner is a renowned musical theater Broadway actor. He was in Spamalot and is their life after high school. But you'll know him because he was Mayor Wilkins on season three of Buffy. And it took me a while to recognize him because he's got a big beard on and he had no clothes on. You get to see a lot of Harry Groner in this movie. And I don't mean that he's got a lot of screen time. No, 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 no. He spends most of his time in a towel or a loincloth jockstrappy thing. You see a lot of Harry Groner, and that's cool. It's fine. There's a lot of naked old people, but naked old people throughout this. And if that scares you, well, great, because you got to get a lot of it. Or if it turns you on, even better. Whatever, whatever makes you happy. But just, just no, just no. 
So he starts developing a relationship with this mysterious young girl because she's the only person there who's under 90 besides him. And she's just vapid and weird and very childlike. And even though she's Swiss, she has a British accent. Okay, whatever. So you know immediately there's something weird about her. Not only because of all this stuff, but she every time you see her, she's walking around going, la, 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 like she just saw Rosemary's Baby. Like she's singing the soundtrack to Rosemary's Baby 24 hours a day. So you might as well hang a big sign on her that says that she's a key part of this mystery. There's a backstory to this whole castle spa that they're in. You find out early on that 200 years ago, well, this, this place has been around for centuries. It was owned by a whole line of barons for many, 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 many years until 200 years ago, the last baron decided that to keep his the bloodline cure, he was going to marry his sister, like you do. The townspeople were having none of that, so they set the girl on fire and burned the place to the ground with him in it. And once you hear the story, you go, oh, I guess that's the girl. The girl's somehow involved in that. She's somehow involved in that something with the water. I don't know. Like you're just and so when it's revealed that she is a part of that in the last 15 minutes of this 17-hour debacle, you're like, well, duh. I knew that half an hour in. I knew that four days ago when I arrived here. I kept trying to force myself to like this movie. There was enough there happening that made me go, oh, this is interesting. But then I kept getting punched in the face with nonsense and terrible, terrible CGI. That was unnecessary in a movie with this kind of a budget, especially for some of the smaller things that they did, mostly involving teeth. Did I mention Marathon Man? If I didn't, there's a whole dentist scene that's taken right out of Marathon Man. And it's just really unfortunate. Did nobody check? I mean, the the audacity to make a movie that's this long, to make a 36-hour movie and not have anything resembling a coherent plot or a plot. Actually, the story could have been told just fine in 90 minutes. You could have cut out 48 hours of this movie. No, it wouldn't have been a good movie. It would be an hysterically bad movie, but entertainingly so. Now you've just got this bloated corpse of a train wreck that at the end of it, I was just pissed. I said, I can't believe you made me sit through this because I'm fast-forwarding. I can't even get into all the details of this nonsense. But the movie ends. The story hits a climax Everything is revealed that needs to be revealed. It's not a good ending, but it was a decent one in that all the dots had been connected at this point. And yet, the movie goes on for yet another half an hour. And there's a whole other climax that took the somewhat decent cerebral ending, flushed it all down the toilet, and went completely to Ludicrous City. Take me down to ludicrous city where the movies are long and the script is shitty. Take, take me home from the theater. I can not recommend this movie to you. I can't even talk about it anymore. Like, I, I, there's, there's plenty of things that are popping up in my head, but it will take so long to explain them to you with so little 
payoff, then, then what's the point? Listen, Gore Verbinski, if you're going to make make this offbeat movie, great. There was no reason to make it this long. How the fuck dare you? You should have had a big sign at the beginning of the movie that said, warning, this movie is 15,000 hours long and contains lots of naked old people. Not that that was a problem for me, but, you know, other people were very shocked by it and taken aback. I, however, have seen Cocoon. So this was Cocoon with pussies and vaginas and, and penis p- – pussies and vaginas. What is happening? I don't know what I'm saying anymore. It's now what? It's 2 in the morning. I have lived in the world of this movie since 10 o'clock tonight. That's more than enough. If I haven't warned you off from seeing this movie in the theater, then I cannot help you any further. On video, it might be more palatable because every now and then you can say, oh, I can stop this and go pee because, okay, one more thing. Even though it's two and a half hours, yes, there is always something happening. Like there is no real filler for this this movie because every scene something is being revealed or something creepy is happening. There's no real dead scenes except, well, the scene where you learn that Drinking beer makes you have your period, and then eels come out of you. What? There's lots of eels in the movie, lots of CGI eels. So if you don't like things that are long and squiggly that aren't dicks, you will not enjoy this movie. I don't know what's happening to myself right now. I'm freaking out. But since it becomes really apparent really quickly that every fucking scene in this fucking movie has something really important that it was trying to tell you or change the detail that they already told you before because yeah like their backstory keeps changing like every five minutes which is also really annoying because like every five minutes is that, that that's a lot of time in a movie of 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 you know a millennial length like it's a thousand year film which meant i didn't know when i could go pee because i said i know i'm gonna get up to go pee and i'm gonna miss the total linchpin clue that's gonna solve this whole thing and i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna be pissed that i went to go piss but it turns out, whatever linchpin shit you know, you already found out probably an hour beforehand because they just keep piling shit on shit, projecting everything that's going to come down the pike long before it comes down the pike so that the, when, when the things are happening to our protagonist or antagonist, whatever you want to call him, the only person surprised is him. Fuck this movie. Fuck you, Gorgobinsky. I can't even say your name. Gagabinsky. G- hello, I'm, hello, I'm Gagabinsky. <laughs> I just found yet another drag name. Okay. I have got to go to bed. I hope this has helped you in your movie choosing decisions. If you're going to the theater, see something else. Go see the Lego Batman movie. If you need to see something. But, of course, buy tickets for another movie and sneak in. Because Steve Manukin is one of the executive producers. But I probably already told you this on the regular podcast. So I'm just rattling on. Now I'm being like the movie. I keep saying, oh, I'm going to end now. But then I keep talking. I will not be the cure for wellness. No, I will be the the cure for 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 nothing. I'm the cure for nothing. I'm the I'm the cure. For, I'm the I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm apparently I'm the cure for sanity. I have lost my shit. So until next time, my fabulous Patreon screamers, don't drink the water or the beer unless you want to menstruate. What? Oh God! Somebody help me. Hi, Patrick. Take two. This is Chad again from Boston. Sorry, had technical issue. Cat walked through, and we had a problem. So, anyways, I have no idea what I was, where I got cut off. But hi, this is Chad from Boston. <laughs> There's the dogs uh, as I'm out walking my dog. I just wanted to say that uh, happy anniversary, happy eighth anniversary. I hope that's the right number. And I have been loving your podcast for many years and enjoyed your friendship online. And I thought that I owed you 
something back for the money you have saved me from movies I have not had to rent or pay for because they were terrible. And therefore, I went to Patreon and became a subscriber. And I think, I don't know why I didn't do that before, so I'm sorry, but I owe it to you and want to thank you for your years of podcasting and friendship. So I became a Patreon subscriber. And those of you out there in gay horror radio podcast land, become a subscriber. $1 a month. This is totally unsolicited by Patrick, by the way. I just thought, you know what? We owe it. So I um, highly encourage you to become a subscriber. And then I realized, oh my God, look at all these bonus episodes of movies that I've been dying to know what your thoughts were. And there they all are. So all these bonus episodes are fabulous. I am going to start binging them shortly. And so I just wanted to say happy anniversary, buddy. And thank you for all these years of gay goodness. And now I am going to make myself a tuna jello mold and sit down and stream some of your bonus content. Bye! Hi, Chad. Thank you very much for your sweet and kind words. They make me feel all fluffy and happy inside. Although I gotta tell you, it is killing me that I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, Audacity, the program I used to record, won't record right when I'm trying to listen to the voicemails. It's really annoying. It cuts off after five seconds because there was so much I wanted to react to. And that's so much that made me happy. I was laughing and clapping. Although I got to say, you said there was a problem when the cat walked in. Excuse me, that call would have gotten better when the cat walked in, sir. So you just remember that in the future. And I realized that you're out walking the dog and you said and so you're probably talking to me while holding a bag full of poop and that makes me happy that makes me happy thank you chad thank you for calling and making this uh making me feel all warm and fuzzy inside of me i like i like feeling warm and fuzzy on the inside because i'm warm and fuzzy on the outside i don't know what i'm saying anyway yes uh this turned out i didn't plan to use this because i don't listen to the calls beforehand when they come in, and this has been sitting here for a couple of weeks, Miss uh, Chad missed the cutoff for the last voicemail episode by a fraction of time. I had just finished mixing everything when his voicemail showed up, and I was like, oh no, no, and oh well, so here he is, and now here he is pimping out the Patreon feed on a show that is dedicated to the Patreon feed, so it just worked out beautifully. And if you're wondering, well, now that Chad's raving about it, too, how do I get involved? Well, it's very, very simple. You go over to patreon.com slash screamqueens, and you pick a package. There are three to choose from. There is the Marilyn Burns package, which is the $1 package. There is the Amy Steele, the $3 package. Or the $8 package, which is the Jamie Lee Curtis, because that's the ultimate Scream Queens package available at this time. And for the $1, you get... A newsletter every month for three dollars you get the newsletter and one bonus episode a month and for eight you get all of that plus a second bonus episode too and it's all focused on new releases so come on over join the fun support the show get valuable information that will help you survive if you ever wind up in a horror movie that's really happening in your life because you will have had all this extra energy that you didn't waste going to see shitty movies. And I will send you to the good movies that will teach you good things that will help you get to – no, not only get to the final reel, 
but make it through the final reel because that is what these kids are paying for and I am very happy and uh, the money is going like like I said, to new things for new logo design. There's several new things I'm trying out. As a matter of fact, Chad called in on a little thing called SpeakPipe, which is a program I'm testing out where you can contact me directly to the website, uh, leave a voicemail there rather than having to waste all that time remembering a phone number and dialing. And I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it or not, but I might. I might. My trial thing has ended, and maybe I'll keep it, maybe I won't, but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But I'm trying out all kinds of new things, like new programs for recording uh, Skype calls for group things uh, to make sure that I'm not losing data and that the sound is as good as possible. So things that I wasn't going to be able to do before, and of course this is all building up hopefully to a live show that I'm going to be doing in New York and hopefully streaming for my Patreon subscribers. And won't that be fun? Won't that be fun? And you don't want to miss that, so www.patreon.com slash screamqueens do it do it and while that is all the voicemail we have for now we do have some email that came through and the first one comes from listener carly who just won scream queen of the week and this is one she sent previous she sent this all the way back in july and i keep forgetting to add it so i apologize carly but we're doing it now and carly says hi patrick i found your show from a list of best horror podcasts out of the many horror related shows i've listened to yours is by far my favorite not only are you funny as fuck but it's obvious you have a real love for the genre i myself of the genre that i myself am so fond of I just finished The Evil Within. It's not, and that's the movie that I talked about, not the last episode, but the more before. I just finished The Evil Within. It's not a movie I never would have chosen to watch on my own, but I took a chance on it based on your review. That movie was awesome! The visuals were so unique, and I enjoyed the film quite a lot. Anyway, thank you so much for what you do for us horror fans. Love your newest, biggest fan. Carly, Carly, oh, I'm already your biggest fan at the moment, too. You're currently my favorite person on the planet for that picture and also for this great gushing email. I'm so happy that you liked The Evil Within. I got a lot of Facebook and Twitter comments from a bunch of people who checked it out on my recommend, and they were all equally floored. So thank you for taking a chance on something you wouldn't normally do, and I'm very glad that you enjoyed it. You're super cool. And the next and final email comes from listener Steve. Steve says, Hey Patrick, have you seen the movie Solo from 2016? It's currently on Shudder and I was considering putting myself up against the wall for it, but I wanted to ask first. And I respond to him, no, I hadn't even heard of it. And he said, okay, I finished the movie and I'm officially recommending that you review Solo for the podcast currently on Shutter. I think it's got some problems, but overall, I think it's worth 83 minutes of your time. Spoiler-free notes. Great scenery. Respectable acting. Characters make lots of stupid decisions. A few good moments of genuine suspense. Bad guy is suitably creepy, but gets very close, close to going from creepy to goofy at the end. Okay, heroin has a backstory that I couldn't care less about and could have easily been left out. People really enjoyed smoking. Almost to the point of silliness. 
I wondered if one actor in particular had never smoked before because he over-accentuated every drag like he was in a Marlboro commercial. Okay, I'm just going to take a sidebar right there. Now, I'm going to go back to Laura Lenny because you know that I love her. So many of her early movies have her smoking, and she's clearly fake smoking. And for a great actress not to be able to pull off smoking properly, it drives me crazy. Primal fear drives me crazy. She's so tough and powerful and then smokes like a, a, a like a, like I don't know what. Like she's faking it in front of her friends in, in the playground at junior high. Same thing with Tales of the City and oh my goodness. Oh my okay, back to this. The actor playing the camp owner is a poor man's Timothy Oliphant. I love my Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant. He's a fellow Esper grad, so we've got that connection. We went to the same acting school, so I'm totally like best friends with him. No, I never met him in my life, but we're totally related now. There are great fight scenes at the end, and I kept wondering if it was going into April Fool's Day territory, but I'm not saying one way or the other, Marty has great hair. Well, my friend Marty will be thrilled to hear that. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to take you up on this, Steve, but as I told you, I have Shudder through Amazon, and their search feature is non-existent. It's just not there on the app uh, through my Amazon Fire Stick TV thing. And so I can't find things on there. I can only watch what they're recommending, which has been a big drawback for Shutter right now. And Steve has recommended that I dump the Amazon version, pay another dollar, and get the grown-up version of it, which I'm going to do when I think of it next month. So, Steve, when I finally get Shutter, the proper Shutter, like grown-up Shutter, like grown like for normal people and not for cowardly people who will just want to do it through Amazon, then I will be definitely watching solo and I will be putting you up against that wall, boy. Yeah, and you're going to like what I do to you when you're up there. Well, and if you're wondering what this means if you're new to the show, okay, I'm always open to movie recommendations. However, if you recommend a movie to me, you know, my time is valuable. I've got lots of things going on. This show takes a lot of time to produce. If I take time out of my busy life to watch a movie and I hate it, you're going to have to be held responsible. But then again, if I love it, the rewards will be showered upon you. There will be unending praise and my undying affection and cake and cookies and maybe a blowjob. I don't know. You will be rewarded greatly, but you are going to be humiliated in front of the firing squad. And that's what he means when he's going up against the wall to face the firing squad. So thank you, Steve. Thank you for being brave and stepping up to the plate and bending over in front of the wall for me. And we'll just have to see how that goes. But let's just say, however your judgment comes out, neither your punishment or your reward will be done solo. No, sir. No, sir. It'll be just the two of us. I sing the song on the show all the time. Just the two of us. You and I and the firing squad. Okay, that is it for the voicemails this week. Thank you, everybody, for getting in touch with the show. I... What the hell was that? Smoochie. Did you hear that? Smooch... What the... Okay, hold on. I'm going to have to edit this out. Hold on. Just... Greetings, you pathetic, useless bags of flesh. The listeners of the Scream Queen's horror podcast. The podcast where horror gets stupid. Look at you all out there. With your oily chests and your shaved crotches and your bleached buttholes. 
All this work trying to look pretty when soon you are just going to be rotting in the grave, being eaten by worms, and I will laugh at you. <laughs> yes, it is I, Flem. Flem, the gargoyle, ruler of the beast, lord of the underworld, and ruler of the underpants. Fuck it, I'm going with it. Anyway, you're probably wondering where I've been, right? Patrick never lets me on the show anymore, does he? And I know you've all missed me. Well, maybe not all of you have missed me because I've been hanging out all the time with Isabella down in Florida. You know, little Isabella, you know, she invites me to come over all the time and we watch cartoons and we make fun of people when they fall down on the sidewalk out front because we put little traps out for people to trip. And it's funny. We laugh and we laugh. And we're going to go to Disney World, Isabella. And she's taking me to Disney World and I'm going to hang out in the Tiki Tiki Bird Room shop. Because I do that when I go down there. Everyone thinks I'm an animatronic. And that way I can feast on all the little Make-A-Wish Foundation children when they come into the show. And nobody even notices. And Elizabeth and I would laugh and laugh and laugh. Because she may not be a gargoyle. But she... Well, she down with the jiggity is what I'm saying. But what I'm here to talk about. I am angry. I am furious. I am enraged. Because the last episode. Patrick and that guy came on and talked about that movie. That television movie that is nothing but propaganda and lies. The movie Gargoyles. Gargoyles. Gar -gar Sometimes I can't even say my own species. But the movie Gargoyles is nothing but lies. It is fake nudes. Fake nudes. It is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. First of all, heaven didn't even have wings. Every gargoyle has wings. That is basic anatomy. Anatomy, anakendric, anaphalanic. I got nothing. You know the word I'm trying. Words are hard. Shut up. Those things they were showing at the beginning of the movie. With no wings. You know what they are? They are lizards. They're called pika lizards. They're, 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 they're like the stupidest things. They can't even get jobs as janitors in hell. Like nobody wants them around because they're so stupid. And man, if you can't even get the job cleaning up in hell because it's dirty down there, then you are useless. They should have called the movie Beakalism instead of Gargoyles. And here's the big telltale sign. When the big daddy gargoyle comes in, blah, 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 and the main girl's lying on the ground in front of the gas station, like, oh, I'm so unconscious, and I don't about to do my bags of cocaine. He gets down, and he's sniffing at her and poking her hair, and not once did he even try to poop in her mouth. Which, as you know, is the signature move of the gargoyle. Fake nudes. Fake Nudes. Also, you get to see the big gargoyles, the ones that do have wings. You see their whole body, head to toe. And now what's missing is the thing that makes gargoyles very, very unique in, 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 in the whole, like, you know, biological, biological kind of way. Is that, you know, we have multiple genitalia. It's like a rotisserie down there. It's like a, it's like a lazy Susan. It's like got something different for every occasion. There's a corkscrew, there's a prong, there's all kinds of crazy things. The fake nudes lies. He got down here and he spread lies, and now I'm taking over the show for the rest of the show, and you'll all just have to deal with it. I, I, even though there's nothing left to talk. Oh, wait a minute. I just see that another call has come in. A voice of me. Should I play it? Patrick would be really mad if I listened to his voicemails without him. <laughs> I'm hitting the button. Where's the button? Where's the button? Oh, there's the button. 
Hello, this is Flem's mother, Flachina. No, no. Oh, no, no. I know it's been a long time since I've called, Mom. but I don't want my good boy Flem to think I haven't been thinking of him constantly. Oh, no. In fact, I'm excited to announce that I've started a podcast of my own. What? Attached is a short clip of it. I think Flim will especially enjoy it. No, no, but I'm sure that it? all of your other listeners will as well. Enjoy! Uh, uh. Oh, I like the music. It, it, it's very Kenny G. But without the... Shut up! Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Flim is the Best Snooki Comes Ever ah! podcast. Today, we're going to go over 54 of Flim's favorite toys. No! If you go to my website, Flim is the Best Ever.blogspot.angelfire backslash dot com. That's a mouthful, Mom. You can follow along the slideshow with me. No, 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 you better not. And here we see Flim playing with his first favorite toy, <gasps> the rainbow bright atmospheric barometer set. Lies. It was lies. a short-lived toy introduced when higher-ups at Mattel became convinced that the next hot fat for children would be meteorology. I love oh, how Flim loved it as he had sex with it daily. Well, that's true. Once he had pounded that thing to dust with his tiny stone pecker, he moved on to his second favorite toy. The empty packaging from a bottle of Debbie Gibson Electric Youth Perfume. He drank the whole bottle, ran around like a banshee, then humped the packaging for three solid weeks. Yeah, that's what's through, but only in your dreams, Eventually, the police had to pry him loose with the jaws of life. They broke three of them before succeeding. <laughs> Look at I him. Mean, there is me adorable. No, I'm terrified. And finally, Yay. here he is with his favorite record, the limited edition sugar glass vinyl copy of Tapal's 1987 hit, Heart and Soul. Ah! The band eventually broke up when Flem stalked them into getting a restraining order. He broke the restraining order, forced Tapal to perform a three-hour concert just for him, (laughs) then killed and ate them. Not that part through. Then had sex with them somehow. That's definitely true. Such a good boy. Yeah, no, I'm very bad. And there you go. I hope everyone enjoyed that clip, and be sure to go to my website to check out the 475 episodes I've already uploaded. And if you donate to my Patreon campaign, you will get 13 of... Flem's teeniest little sweet droppings. Anyway, I love you, Flem. Please come and visit. I kiss you on all of your cheeks. No, 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 no. Goodbye. I was terrible. I, I, was, I hate you, Mom. What do you mean? My sweetest, tiny little poops. All of my poops are huge. They are huge and they will suffocate you. All of you will choke on my poops. <laughs> Something in the moonlight catches my eye. The shadow of a cocoa goes flapping by. Looking for a little bit of blood to spill now. Give me love and take a pill. I love the power. I miss you so much.
much. I'm sorry. I killed you. I should have just had sex with you and pooped in your <laughs> I hate podcasting. I quit. I quit. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Goodbye. Wake up. Wake up, Paulo. What? What about that? Flim. Goddamn, Flim, did you... You hit me with a can of Pringles, dick. I don't know why I keep this guy around, honestly. Well... Fortunately, I was conscious for that last call because thank you to everybody who contributed to make the show even better than it was going to be anyway. And that's Chad and Carly and Steve. And of course, a very special thank you to Flagina Flem's mom. It's always such a treat to hear from you and finding out all these wonderful fun facts about the world's cuddliest little gargoyle. Fuck you. I hate you very much. I know you do. I know you do. So if you want to be like all these cool people and contribute to the show, by all means, head on over to your phone, pick up your finger, dial 917-720-2047. You can use the SpeakPipe app on the webpage. If you go to the webpage, there's a little purple tab over on the right. You click on it, you leave a voicemail. Right now, you can only leave 90 seconds, but I think I'm going to be renewing that whole thing so that we can keep that feature because I think it's pretty cool. The sound quality is fantastic. Or, I forgot, you could find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens, and as always, that's Queens with a Z. And you'd be like Steve and, and and Carly and send me an email at crew at screamqueens.com. And, of course, head on over to the Patreon page. Find out all the offers, more details there, and find out what I have planned for the future. And join the fun there. Come on, support the show. Be cool. Everybody's doing it. You're not cool if you're not. Do- well, no, that's not true. You're still pretty damn cool. But you could be cooler is what I'm trying to say. So... Coming up, I'm going to be going back to the made-for-TV movie realm in the near future. I'm going to have some people on, including Nick Hunt, who is the director of a upcoming horror movie called Safe Place, and some of the cast members of that. It might not be the next episode. There's some scheduling problems because of FlameCon and some work stuff that has come up for me, but that might be the next episode, and if it's not the next episode, then it will be the Queen of Blood and and, 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 what was the other one? Planet of the Vampires, that's right. Oh, and when Nick comes on, we're not going to the 70s for TV. No, 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 we're going to go watch a 1980s one called Deadly Lessons, and this one's pretty cool because it's got a host of horror movie people in it, you know, 80s horror movie people, including uh, Diane Franklin from Amityville 2. It's got the girl who played Sissy, I think her name was, in Friday the 13th Part 6. The girl gets her head twisted off. It's got Bill Paxton in it. It's got all kinds of crazy people. And the scariest person of all, Donna Reed. It's about a, a strangler at a girls' school. It's available on YouTube. We'll probably have a group screening of that. And by all means, keep an eye on the Facebook page and, that's, and Twitter. That's where I announce all these cool screening things because I want you to be involved next time because we had a hoot at the Science Fiction Double Feature, which I will go into more detail about when I'm actually covering those movies. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place and never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Yeah! Hands up, go, we should roll.
Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>